0: Evidence, and Answers. How do we communicate the gospel across different cultures and to those with very different belief systems? Often when we are sharing the gospel with unbelievers, we begin with John 3.16. However, this is the middle of God's story. In our culture and in cultures with very different belief systems, we need to start from the very beginning in order to establish the right worldview, understanding of God, human nature, and creation. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast with your host, Pat Zukren. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today in our broadcast, Pat and his guest, J.D. Crowley, will present principles on effectively sharing Christ cross-culturally. Here with the first part of this three-part message is our host, Pat.
1: You're listening to Evidence and Answers, where we provide compelling evidence for faith and hope in Christ and biblical answers to the challenges of today. Well, how do we communicate the gospel across different cultures and to those with very different belief systems? You know, that was a challenge to the apostles, the early church, and even today. And one of our missions at Evidence and Answers is to equip Christians to engage their culture and their world for Christ. And with us today... Is J.D. Crowley. J.D. has served as a missionary to the nation of Cambodia for nearly three decades and has led thousands in Cambodia to Christ. He created an alphabet system for uh, several tribes there with an unwritten language and has trained hundreds of pastors and planted churches throughout the nation of Cambodia doing a tremendous work out there. So J.D., Uh, It's a privilege to have you here. Welcome to Evidence and Answers. Thank
2: you, Pat. It's good to be here.
1: Yeah, in fact, you know, J.D. and I uh, have worked together out there in Southeast Asia, training pastors in Myanmar, Kim Say, Burma, training pastors out there in Myanmar together. And so, J.D., it's great to have you here in the studio. Thanks. Well, you know, J.D., as we begin, a lot of us don't know much about the nation of Cambodia. A lot of us just remember the Killing Fields and Pol Pot, but as a lot has happened since then. So give us a brief overview of the situation there in Cambodia today.
2: Yeah, well, actually, before I get into that, I just wanna say thank you, Pat, for your ministry. I think your uh, work here in Hawaii and around the world is one of the most significant and necessary ministries that I know of, especially as the gospel is distorted and uh, sometimes misused uh, as as it has been recently. So yeah, uh, Cambodia is an ancient civilization. People, many people are familiar with the famous Angkor Wat temple system, uh, 700 temples uh, in uh, Northwest Cambodia. It was a great and grand civilization, had uh, an alphabet for 2,000, over 2,000 years, uh, but most people also know them for the awful three and a half years under the communist Khmer Rouge from about 75 to 79. And uh, the, the about 2 million out of 8 million of the citizens were killed or starved to wow. death during that period of time. It was really terrible. But since then, the nation has had tremendous success uh, rebuilding and
1: now it's uh, beginning
2: to take its place uh, among the nations of the world.
1: Yeah, now JD, tell us, you were a pastor here in Hawaii, and how did you end up being called to Cambodia, of all places, from Hawaii?
2: Yeah, I, I was a pastor of a small church in, uh, uh, right outside of Hilo, where I grew up, for about 12 years. My wife Kim and I, all of our adult lives, we've, we wanted to be a part of taking the gospel to a place uh, that didn't have the gospel, where God was completely unknown, unworshipped, unloved. And uh, we wanted to do that because the goal of every Christian is to do his part, her part, to make God famous among the nations. So eventually, after 12 years, uh, the church felt that they could uh, continue, and they released us to do that work. We weren't really called to Cambodia. We felt called to do some sort of uh, unreached people group missions, and I was particularly called to Asia, and back then, the only country that was open was uh, Thailand in that area of mainland Southeast Asia. So... I was calling people in Thailand and one of my friends there said, JD, I heard that Cambodia has just opened up to the world. Uh, That was 1993. A year later, we were living there and we went straight up to the Northeast where uh, the six unreached people groups are.
1: Yeah, that's a great story. You know, now tell us about the spiritual condition of Cambodia. Tell us a little bit about the religion of Cambodia there. A lot of us understanding Angkor Wat and the things that we see on the Discovery Channel. Consider it primarily a Buddhist country. But tell us about the spiritual background and the religious system there of Cambodia.
2: Yeah, in fact, Buddhism is the national religion in the Constitution. And yet, the average Cambodian is probably at heart an animist, uh, with a veneer of Buddhism on the outside. Uh, In other words, the average Cambodian might go to the temple or to the Wat two or three times a year. That's mostly women, not men. But day to day, they don't think about Buddhism too much. What they fear uh, are the spirits, that they believe are territorial spirits that control their lives, make them sick, make them well, give them bad fortune, give them good fortune. And so every single house in Cambodia has a spirit house in front of it uh, where offerings are made every single day. So the daily religion of Cambodia is really uh, animism. The official religion is Buddhism. Up in the Northeast where we live, uh, the tribal people very clearly state to us, uh, we are not Buddhists. And so they don't have that hard veneer of Buddhism and there's a sense in which it's a lot easier to share the gospel with them because frankly, Christianity and animism share a lot of truth. There really are demonic beings that want to control our lives and, and they really do want our worship and our attention and our sacrifices. Uh, So we agree with that, we just believe that their solution of Sacrificing very expensive things to these demons is the wrong solution that the right solution is relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and they already have a name for God, and all these uh, tribal groups they know who, they, they know that He exists, but they don 't know who He is.
1: Yeah, tell us about that a little bit because you know we 're our show heirs here in the Pacific, in Hawaii, and in Southeast Asia we 've got a strong following there in the Philippines i 'm sure this resonates with them. You know, in Hawaii, there's a strong worship of Pele, the volcano goddess, and Lono and others A belief in spirits and that there are spiritual powers. If you touch this rock or move this rock or, you know, this is kapu, uh, as we call it, and others. But behind the spirits and these lesser gods, you say there actually is a knowledge of a heavenly creator. Tell us about that a little bit. Right,
2: just like here in uh, Hawaii that uh, the Hawaiians knew that there was a creator God even before any missionaries came to explain how to get to know that God in more detail. But anthropologists have noticed that uh, in nearly every uh, indigenous minority group in the world, they have a knowledge of a creator God. But uh, when I ask, for example, when I ask uh, my friends in Northeast Cambodia, please tell me about this creator God whose name uh, you know. They say, we don't know anything about him. They said perhaps our ancestors did, but we don't know anything about him. And we can actually, we can say then, would you like to know what he's like, uh, what he's done? Uh, And it's a great opening.
1: Yeah, in most animistic or tribal religions, yeah, there's a knowledge of God, but that's been lost. And the focus really becomes now on the lesser gods or the spirits and forces around us. Because they're the ones that we daily interact with, isn't that right? Exactly, yeah. You,
2: if Sometimes I would ask my neighbors and friends, uh, why, why don't you sacrifice animals, uh, cows, buffalo, to the creator God? And they say, oh, he never hurts us. Uh, it's these demons that, are, uh, that we have to watch out for. Uh, and they're right they're exactly
1: right right and it's really a religion of fear these demons are not there to bless you and take care of your I mean you have to constantly be afraid of offending them and when something bad happens oh you've offended one of them you don't know which one You might think maybe the river god or the mountain god or the spirit of the forest or whatever And, and so you gotta make sacrifices to appease them so really it's a religion of fear really not one of with a relationship of love and care and sharing and things like that, very different from our relationship with God.
2: Absolutely. Uh, In fact, uh, when when we say that the folks in Northeast Cambodia worship demons, for example, they don't worship them in the same way that we worship God, adoring Him and asking Him to come into our lives and uh, help us to know Him. Rather, and in fact, uh, when you watch, uh, say, a Disney movie or another movie uh, that depicts uh, indigenous people's calling upon spirits, they're calling the spirits to come. uh, When in fact, uh, in most uh, indigenous uh, religions, the sacrifices are given to keep the spirits away. Big difference there.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You know, and one of the things in animistic religions, one of the most important persons is the witch doctor. And everywhere I go around the world, here in Hawaii, you know, they have the witch doctor, who's a very powerful person because he can communicate with these demons. Have you encountered them in Cambodia? Absolutely. Uh, every village has uh, two kinds
2: of uh, practitioners. Uh, one is, is a diviner. It's usually a lady who is visited by a family who's been experiencing unusual bad luck or sicknesses, and they don't know what they've done wrong. That's why you need a diviner, because the rules are always changing. <laughs> uh, you never quite know which kapu that you uh, sinned against. And, and so she then asks a, a spirit to come inside of her and speak through her. At that point, then the, the spirit it tells everyone what was done that was wrong and what the remedy is. Now that diviner can't effect the remedy, the person has to do it himself. Or if the the diviner says a curse has been placed on you, at that point they go to a different practitioner called like a sorcerer, or there are other words for for him as well. He's often a disliked person in the village, but he's useful, uh, (laughs) useful for taking curses off, putting curses on other people. Uh, Etc. So it's that you know it's not real pretty the 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 things that go on, but it's all they know. It's extremely expensive, Pat. I mean, imagine if once or twice a year they might have to kill a water buffalo as a sacrifice to a demon in order to get over a particular sickness. Imagine if you had to put a sledgehammer to your car Mm. uh, once a year you'd be pretty poor after about 20 years, wouldn't you?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, he sound, that guy sounds kinda like my brother-in-law. You know, my brother-in-law is the guy you go to when you wanna file a lawsuit. Right, <laughs> Nobody right. likes him seeing coming around, but he's useful. He's useful, <laughs> that's funny. And yeah, yeah, well, I'm sure the witch doctor doesn't welcome the Christian missionary coming to town. You're right, they see, they
2: understand that there is another power that has come uh, stronger than their power. But, uh, and it is stronger, the gospel uh, of God and uh, the presence of God is more powerful than uh, any other spirit, any other demon. We like to tell the people in Northeast Cambodia, our neighbors and friends, that God is uh, stronger than the demons, like we are stronger than a little ant. It's that kind of difference. There's no kind of dualistic fight between God and the spirit world, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, God is so much more awesomely powerful than all the demons put together. And so when the minority, for the tribal minority person in Northeast Cambodia begins to realize that they can have a relationship with this creator God, whose name they already know, uh, when they realize how they can be reconciled to this creator God, Uh, And how he will come into their lives, into their, actually literally into their body to be with them forever, setting them free from this fear of spirits. It's extremely attractive. And that's why minority groups all over the world. Uh, are very much attracted to Christianity. We speak their language because we don't make fun of them and say, no, those demons, the, the spirits you worship don't exist. Uh, no, we don't say that. We agree with much of uh, of, of the, the reality of
1: their worldview. We just provide the solution that really sets them free. Yeah, well, you know, besides the language barrier and, and the Southeast languages are real difficult because they're such inflected languages. I'm amazed you, you learned it. So quickly, especially at your age. You know, I was 23 trying to learn Greek and Hebrew, and I realized, well, I, you know, I couldn't learn it like I did when I was five, six years old, learning Japanese and these other languages. So, besides the language barrier, you know, what are the challenges you faced in sharing the gospel cross culturally with these Cambodian people? We feel that it's not as hard as we thought it would be. Conversations mm. come
2: quickly. Mm. Uh, and once again, because because we mainly we don 't work mainly with the uh, majority Khmer people who are Buddhist, but we work mainly with the uh, indigenous minorities it 's very easy to have a conversation about spiritual things because they believe in spiritual things every single day they 're not like the secularists mm. here it 's not infrequent that anthropologists come our way and, and want to interview us or ask us questions and One man from Spain wanted to know why indigenous minorities were so attracted to Christianity. And uh, he allowed me to explain to him that, well, we speak their language. We're basically insiders with them. A Christian is an insider. When he and I talk about spirits, we both believe in the existence of spirits. When we talk about the Creator God, we both believe in the Creator God. I said, I wanna say this as respectfully as I can, but, but in this conversation, You're an outsider, I said to this anthropologist. He's a secularist, a materialist, uh, probably an atheist. You're the outsider because you don't believe any of these things. Uh, Anthropologists like to think of themselves as the insiders because they know so much. But in this case, uh, Christians are the insiders. And so it's not hard to have a conversation about spiritual matters.
1: Yeah, you know, and you state that one of the common mistakes we make when sharing the gospel is that we begin with John three sixteen, and and tell us you know and that has tremendous implications even for us here in the West today. You know as the worldview here is changing and the knowledge of God and the Bible is changing as well. So tell us where do we need to begin then when sharing the gospel? Well, we see that uh, Paul
2: when he was in completely pagan cities like Athens and Lystra. He didn't start with Jesus. Uh, he could do that when he went into a synagogue in most of those other cities. He could start right in the middle of the story. All of us have uh, been frustrated by when we come into a, the TV room and the, the movie that our family's watching is half over and we're trying to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what happens when we begin with John 3.16. I love John 3.16. That's the middle of the story. A Buddhist man once watched the Jesus film, which at least back then started in the middle of the story with Jesus, not in the beginning of the story with creation. And after he looked at it, he said, wow, Jesus must have committed so many sins in his previous life, previous Mm -hmm. incarnation, Mm -hmm. uh, that he would have to suffer this way on the cross like that. Uh, That's, you know, we think, how could he miss the point? Well, he missed the point because we didn't start at the beginning of the story. He actually correctly analyzed the Jesus film according to the grid, according to uh, his worldview. So it wasn't his fault. It was the fault of people who started in the middle of the story instead of at the beginning. So yeah, we have to start at the beginning of the story. And Romans 1 says it's not that hard to do that because in every person's heart is this knowledge that there's a creator God. Then in chapter 2 of Romans it says that everybody also has a conscience. These two work together to be some of my greatest allies because I know that in the heart of every single human being in Cambodia and around the world, there is this innate inborn knowledge that there is a God and he has requirements that we have uh, egregiously disobeyed. And that helps set things up for Romans chapter three, right, Uh, Mm -hmm. which talks
1: about the, the gospel in very, very clear ways. Yeah, you know, and that has implications for us here in the West and in highly developed secular countries as well. I will speak with people and say, Christ came and forgave you of your sins. You know, we're all sinners. And they'll look at me and say, you know, know, like they got really insulted. And they said, what? Sinner? Well, I'm not a sinner. What's wrong with you? You know, so, or I'll be in a culture like in Japan. You say, we're all sinners before God. And they'll look and say, oh, no, we're not. You see, you Christians only focus on the bad, sin, all that. We Japanese are good people and we focus on the good. No concept of sin and the fall. And we're over there trying to tell them you're a sinner, you need a Savior, and they're going, no, no we don't. What's your problem? So like you said, we need to start from the beginning. And you start with from creation to Christ. That's your presentation. Tell us about that and why it's so important. we got to start now. Not in John three sixteen. we actually got to start in Genesis.
2: That's right, uh, for example, you, you, the example you just gave is perfect. I mean, uh, for a pantheist, there's no personal God to sin against. Mm-hmm. And so to a pantheist, sins are like demerits when I went to a, a high school that had a demerit system, you know. I, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, they told me when I first got there, you got 75 demerits, you, you, you know, when you get to 75, you're out. <laughs> and I said to myself, cool, I get 75 uh, indulgences, <laughs> right? I had 75 <laughs> chances. Mm-hmm. And uh, To me, it wasn't a moral issue, it probably should have been, but uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> in the same way, my uh, the guy who pumps gas for me, we were talking, uh, in Cambodia, we were talking about sin, and I said, uh, are you a sinner? And he smiles really big, you know. He says, yeah, he says, I have, I have sins, but I also have merit. Hmm. So to him, it was simply like at my high school where I had some demerits, but then you could do some things to make up for those demerits and have merits because there's no personal God to sin against. And that all, people can't understand that unless we start at the beginning and talk about God, uh, where the spirits came from, they were created by God. Talk about God's attributes, that he's all powerful, almighty. All loving talk about uh, his creation, especially that he owns everything because he created everything. Talk about the uh, real existence of Adam and Eve, our forefather, and that. Uh, and this is one of my favorite teachings that come from creation of Christ teaching because minority peoples all over the world are looked down upon and uh, really abused by the majority peoples of the mm-hmm. world. In Cambodia, it's the. Uh, it's the majority Khmer looking down on the tribal people in the Northeast. When we teach them that they have tremendous worth in the sight of God because God created them in God's image. The majority of people call them monkeys in the jungle, and that mm. is a great dishonor to God and to these human beings who are made in the image of God. And then the truth that every single human being has Adam and Eve's blood in them. Uh, we all come from of real Adam and Eve. And uh, this is the only way that humans all around the world, especially indigenous people who are looked down upon, can have the sense of worth that they are made in God's image. They're the descendants of Adam and Eve. And then the bad news that because we're descendants of Adam and Eve, we also have a sin nature because they rebelled against God and so have we.
1: Yeah, so you have to have a right understanding of God, a right understanding of human nature, our relationship with creation and mankind's problem, you know, before you can get into the gospel.
2: It all starts in the first three chapters of, of Genesis. And I don't, I don't know, I really have a hard time
1: sharing the gospel without starting somehow uh, with creation. Yeah, so tell us, people are, are sitting there thinking, oh, wow, this must be kind of a, a longer process than we thought then. It is a longer process. Uh, uh, most indigenous minorities have,
2: have a little bit more time than we do here. They're farmers, and they can find, uh, find time to, to sit around and listen for two, really two or three days to uh, Creation to Christ presentation. And so that's at the beginning, that's what we did. Uh, if somebody showed some interest in coming to know the Creator God, whose name they already knew, right, but they mm-hmm. didn't know anything about him, I would go to their village and, and teach from creation to Christ over a period of about three or four days, about 25 lessons in all, going all the way from Adam and Eve and, uh, and God's promise to them that he was going to send somebody to reconcile them back to God and crush the head of, uh, of the enemy, Satan, which is the storyline of the Bible, right? That's the mm-hmm. plot of the Bible. All the way to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the promises that God gave to them that this Savior would come from their line. And then even all the way to King David, Uh, after god created this nation of israel god said to david the the savior the messiah is going to come from you and he's going to reign forever and ever and all the way to all the prophecies about jesus that he would be born in bethlehem that he would his hands and feet would be pierced a prophecy that was given 900 years before they even had crucifixions you know Mm -hmm. so it does take time pat and but it's worth it because we either have to teach those things before they get saved or
1: after they get saved. Mm-hmm. So if you have time, you might as well give them a good <laughs> grounding first. Yeah, because a lot of people feel matter is eternal. And back in those times or in animistic cultures today, the gods come out of the matter of the universe and the, the creation of the earth and life is the result of the gods battling each other. And even to this day, there are equal forces of good and evil in his constant battle with each other and maybe the christian god is slightly stronger than the forces of evil and so it's really important they have a really good understanding of the nature of god and and his relationship with creation you know he's not a part of creation he created out of nothing there are no other gods that rival him or forces i mean those are kind of things they they really need to Understand understanding, understanding the gospel and our relationship with God, right? Absolutely, uh, like the Gnostic heresy that I'm sure you've taught on uh, often
2: that says that material things are bad and spiritual things are good, and so what's God, what, what is God doing as a spiritual creature creating material things, right, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. And so we have this perfect balance that you just described, that God is separate from his creation and always will be. Well, except for the incarnation, right? The son of God becoming man, but God is separate from his creation. Uh, and yet creation is still good because how many times did God say in Genesis 1, uh, he looked at what he had made and he said, this is, this is very good.
0: That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. You'll find we have a wide variety of different topics that will make for an incredible conference series. So if you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or even schedule an apologetics conference at your church or location, give him a call in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence & Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Use our search engine for available resources. We have everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio, For you to listen to or download so be sure to share our website with those around you to keep quality broadcasts like pats on the air we rely on generous financial support from you our listeners for the opportunity to partner with us head on over to our website that's evidenceandanswers.org evidence and answers would like to thank one of our sponsors the honolulu christian church if you don't have a home church and are looking for a great place to connect and grow in christ check out the honolulu christian church For service times, log on at honoluluchristian.org. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuccarin.